Howdo, and welcome back to another episode of A Pensacola Perspective, where we dive deep into the heartbeat of this Emerald Coast city and the surrounding areas. I'm Tyler L. Davis, local mom of some hooligans and avid listener. This week's episode is packed with exciting updates, local heroes and artists, and a glimpse into what's been on the mind of those in the area recently. But before we get going, a quick shout out to our growing community. Your support of local artists, business, and charities is always appreciated, along with the contributions that you make each day to improve our area and voice your concerns. I appreciate you, and without any further pandering, entertainment. First up, some local news and updates. If you're familiar with the Brown Backer, good news because this business is expanding to a new location in Milton. Find out more about this local favorite second spot at Gulf Post Garage Patio Bar. Additionally, if you love the ripping and roaring times of Wild Greg's Bar downtown, you may be in luck. The owner announced that they have plans to open a Wild Greg's restaurant where Cactus Cantina was previously located on Palafox Street in downtown. If you're excited about this addition, I've dropped a link with the additional info that we have about this project at this time. And lastly, before we move on, if you're a coffee enthusiast and want some new options, get ready for a new coffee place coming to Nine Mile just by the Home Depot called Dutch Bros. The application has only just been submitted for review to the county commissioners, so stay tuned for additional info as this project develops. Next up, I have some recurring events that you need to know about. First up, each Saturday of the month, there is an event that Home Depot holds for Kids Workshop. The next one is going to be held on February 3rd between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. while supplies last. You can register online, but uh, we've definitely shown up in person and there's typically not a problem getting in unless there's no more kits available. This month's build is a Valentine's Day basket. If you can't catch up on the first build of the month at Home Depot, no problem because Lowe's also offers workshops for kids and they're guaranteed to be on a different Saturday than their Home Depot counterparts. The next event is February 10th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. The build will feature a chalkboard message center. These events are monthly, so be sure to check your local Home Depot and Lowe's stores in order to find out what availability they have. Next in our community, our first spotlight is on some incredible community heroes honored during the 2024 Live in the Dream event. Pensacola took the time and recognized 11 individuals for their work in helping to continue the dreams of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Each of these folks was honored because of their contributions toward making our community better. If you'd like to hear more information in depth about these individuals and about this story, you can check out the link in the links and such for this episode. There's a bunch of heartwarming stories of those making a positive impact right here in Pensacola. Next up for the community spotlight, I want to turn our attention to a local artist that I have featured this week, whose name is Levi. I just wanted to take a few moments to sit down with Levi to talk about some of the work that he's done, to talk about himself a little bit, and to chat about his music and the impact for his music in our area. Hey guys, this is Levi. I'm a singer, songwriter, born and raised in Pensacola. Um, Currently based in Orlando, Florida. So Levi, can you share a bit about yourself and how you ventured into the music scene in Pensacola? I feel like with music, man, I've music has always been a part of my life. Um, 
in school, I was in marching band. Um, I kind of started more instrumentally in music and then transitioned over to vocal, kind of more like my senior year. Um, and then honestly, that's kind of where my journey began was junior, senior year of high school. And that's when I started writing. And that's when I started really working a lot on um, everything vocally. How does being a part of the Pensacola community impact your musical style and creativity? I think I've always been a creative, um, even as a kid, like I've always enjoyed the experience of bringing your thoughts and ideas from paper and then seeing that vision brought to life through different things. And I would say um, I've always been a dreamer. So I've always been somebody that has started with a simple idea and then kind of branched off of that onto something greater. And I think growing up in Pensacola, for sure, there's a lot of different styles and different things, but I think the one thing that has shaped me the most as an artist is definitely my experiences. Um, you know, I think we've all went through a lot of things in life. And for me, I've been through different life experiences that have definitely shaped me and my character as a person. Um, and I, I definitely feel like that has had an impact on um, the kind of artist I am and the kind of artist I aspire to be. What message would you like your music to convey to others? My goal as an artist is simply connection. I think my greatest hope is that when people listen to my music, that they feel seen and loved. You know, I think a lot of times we're going through really hard experiences in life and a lot of times we feel misunderstood and we feel like no one can relate with what we're going through. And um, a lot of times it's very hopeless and a lot of times it's very vulnerable. And I want people, you know, when they listen to the stuff that I've written to understand that the place I'm writing from um, is love and the place that I'm writing from is understanding and I hope that it would bring them hope in what they're walking through and help them along their journey. That would be, I think, my greatest um, achievement as an artist. If you can write music that not only connects with the person you're writing to, but also that people get something from it and they leave with something. And I want that thing to be love. In your view, how can music positively connect with and impact the local community? Growing up around music, I definitely would say music is powerful. You know, what we listen to is really important. And I think that's probably not said a lot, but music directly impacts the thoughts in our head, which then impacts the words that we speak, which then impacts the ways that we act. And so you see this correlation between our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And I think it's important, you know, to remember that in life, but also um, to understand like how much that can impact the people around you. For me, as an artist, I hope that my music is encouraging and motivating and overall that it's inspiring. I hope that it challenges other people to chase their dreams. I think overall, like that is the greatest impact is to have a dream and see that dream carried out um, 
through other people. And as a dreamer, like I, I love making music and I love, you know, bringing life experiences, like stuff that you've learned, like lessons from life that you've learned and sharing it with others. And the value behind that is education. It's teaching people that haven't lived through your experiences or walked in your shoes and teaching them hopefully something that's valuable and going to help them in the long run. And lastly, any exciting projects or events in Pensacola that we can anticipate from you in the near future? I'm very excited about this next chapter. Um, I just released my first single, I Hope You're Happy, in October and super blown away by the impact that it's had already, but also just more excited for what's to come. Pursuing music full-time has always been a dream I've had ever since I was a little boy, you know, was to make music and to one day chase it like wholeheartedly. And so that's what I'm doing now. So I packed up everything and moved from Pensacola to Orlando. And my biggest goals right now as an artist is to focus on the artist I want to become. And part of that is writing more songs and finishing the ones that I have already started and getting them out from paper to the world. And so that's kind of what I'm doing here is getting more established in my music, but also I'm getting involved in the scenes in Orlando to get my music more out there. And Pensacola will always be home. So I definitely foresee many things in the future with music and the community there. So thank you again for this opportunity and for everyone that's listening. I hope you're happy. Local news. Now let's talk about something crucial to our area and that's traffic and safety. The first update that I have comes to us about new photo and forest locations that have been implemented in Pensacola. If you're unaware of those locations that have been approved for photo and forest lights, I have a link that I'll share out and I'll share that information here as well. The cameras will mostly be installed along the 9th Avenue area, but I'll also share out the one location that seems to be at the intersection of Davis and Fairfield. So that is the first one at the intersection of Davis, Davis Highway and Fairfield on the east and westbound approaches. We have cameras installed at 9th and Bayou on the north, south, east and west approaches, 9th and Airport on the north, south, east and west approaches. 9th and Fairfield on the east and westbound approaches, and 9th and Gregory on the westbound approach. These intersections were selected based on crash data collected over the past 10 years. The infractions that will be enforced will be traveling straight through a red light and making a left turn on a red light for these photo enforced lights. Additionally, I'd like to just call out that if you're in the downtown area, please ensure that you remain cognizant of one-way streets and changes in traffic patterns due to construction, parades, or other events that frequent that area. Please note that we are obligated to move over for all emergency vehicles in Florida. Therefore, plan accordingly when you see that type of vehicle coming your way on the street. It's also a good idea to check traffic patterns along routes that you typically travel before leaving home 
If you don't want to check the news, you can always get close to real-time traffic information from Google Maps by typing in your destination, looking at the fastest routes to get there, and ensuring that your typical route isn't backed up due to traffic delays. Additionally, when you're merging into traffic from merge lanes, please understand that you do not have the right of way. Zipper merging isn't as difficult as most people think it is. You know, if you can do this at a fast food place whenever you're merging two lanes into one, you can definitely do this in traffic. I think sometimes it, it's just about uh, the control piece. So I like to allow somebody to merge into traffic in front of me. And I like to think of it as controlling that piece of my safety when I'm driving. I can't really control a lot of what other people are doing, but if I make it clear to the car in front of me that they can merge, I'll at least have one less accident to think about on that front and in front of me. And I've helped quell road rage for at least two people, myself included. No pun intended, but these might seem like normal things to consider, but these are driving factors that contribute to the increase in our insurance rates for this area. As the number of accidents increase alongside the increase of residents in the area, their rates will continue to rise. One of the largest factors that currently drives insurance rates to increase in our area is the average age of vehicles that are on the road. Mix that in with a half modernizing, half rural county with hyperinflation and exponential growth without exponential increase in pay or offsetting with increased tax breaks. And you'll see how this cycle begins to perpetuate. So what can we do? We can scrimp and we can save. We can stop being a city of consumers and start becoming a city of thrifty spenders. But more than likely that won't happen. Things like the Stanley Cup crazes, multi-billionaire and multi-billionaire musicians, uh, ticket prices in the hundreds of dollars for their concerts, and new gaming systems needed year after year hinder and skew our sense of what's needed versus what's craved. Even still with that, most models for success and savings come from a dual-income household and makes no mention of the real day-to-day -day costs that most people experience that aren't factors and weren't even things to consider even a few decades ago. That's because these models seem to not only be out of touch, but purposefully and willingly ignorant while shuffling you onto another topic that aims to fuel your discourse, as opposed to listening and understanding what it is that you're saying and finding out the root cause of the problem. So just like paying attention when you're merging on and off of the interstate and understanding that an improperly operating light in an intersection means that you follow four-way stop rules, you have to pay attention to the things driving the changes for the streets on which you're riding. That drives us into the economy section for today's episode. Economy and community challenges. First up, if you're in the Pinestead, Burgess, or Palafox area, note that Delta Recycling is seeking approval again to relocate their Palafox Street facility to Burgess Road. The proposed 10-acre facility emphasizes environmental safeguards, but despite reassurances that necessary measures have been taken, residents have concern about the environmental impacts, change in traffic patterns, and privacy and noise levels that may arise with this change. The county is set to vote on this on February 8th at 5.50 p.m. at the Ernie Lee Magaha Government Building in board, room, in board meeting room on the first floor. This is located at 221 Palafox Place in downtown. The initial pamphlet sent out as well as a Google map of the area can be located in the links and such for this episode. Next up, We'll move on to our challenges, and this is where we will house our in and out segment for this week. 
Welcome to this week's ins and outs segment, where I'll focus on a critical issue affecting the core of our community, our schools. In a Pensacola News Journal article that was published on January 19th, we learned that a Santa Rosa County paraprofessional named Marcia Stevens was arrested on both Wednesday and Thursday of that week for harboring and aiding a sexual offender by the name of Kenneth Martin Jr., who failed to report himself in this area. This man was also reportedly her significant other. After this article, additional reports of problematic behavior within the Escambia and Santa Rosa County school districts began to surface, sparking conversations from Tate to Navarre and every school in between. It's not a new issue, but a longstanding concern that has persisted over the past several decades. As we address this topic, it's important to underscore that these are not baseless allegations. What's more alarming is that the individuals most affected by this behavior are some of the most vulnerable in our community, our students. Having witnessed such issues during my own high school years in the 2000s, it's disheartening to know that similar problems persist today. In this segment, we aim to shed light on these matters, call for accountability, and discuss how, as a community, we can work together to create safer, more supportive learning environments. I say this because if you're more up in arms about certain books that are allowed in schools than you are about the individuals that are allowed around our children, then you might need to take a step back and listen to this segment from a Pensacola perspective. From the halls of the administrative offices to the football fields edged neatly and lined perfectly with crisp white chalk, through the band halls and the art buildings to the PE classrooms and gyms that have any and every use under the sun during the year, predators lie in wait. Watching and waiting, observing and knowing, stalking and selecting. Just like in all spaces, those who do these bad and immoral things are not reflective of the school system and everyone within those spaces, but the actions of a few that continue throughout decades has a potential to cause lasting damage, irrepressible traumas, and no shortage of cyclical behavior. In my time at Tate High School, I was in just about every activity or club that you could think of because I was curious about everything and I wanted to get out of the house. My freshman year, I was a part of the weightlifting team and I didn't have a lot going on outside of arguing with my guidance counselor about the fact that I was in general classes, uh, gen pop classes as I called them, because I wasn't in classes with my friends and I wasn't being challenged. As my own advocate, the very next year I was able to work my way back into the classes on the level that I was more accustomed to, still bored, but bored around my friends and mostly familiar faces. With my sophomore year, I also found myself in a new space and an entirely new world, the world of marching band. Long trips away from home without your parents, an unnumbered length of time that you're supposed to be out of the house because you're practicing and because of performances, and free range of young adults to act like absolute fools. Those were all the things that I became familiar with. In the last three years of my high school education, I learned more about the people and adults around me than I'd ever learned about anything else in my time at Tate. It was truly expansive and massively isolating. Through the lens of age, alongside some updates and verbiage that we have now, I can confidently say that we were taught to be great adults through the actions of the great adults around us, as well as through the disgusting and degrading actions of adults who probably need to have a come to Jesus talk with themselves, as they used to call it back in the day. Recent revelations have brought to light, again, this deeply troubling and persistent issue within the Escambia and Santa Rosa County school districts, a seemingly generational curse for our areas. 
The distressing reality is that the inappropriate conduct of instructors with students seems endless, and perhaps more alarming is the collective knowledge of this behavior. It persists despite being brought to light, leaving us to question why these actions go unpunished. Is it fear that keeps students from speaking out, fear of retaliation or disbelief from their parents, teachers, and peers? Or is there a deeper reason that we as a community have yet to fully acknowledge? Parents have not been silent. They have courageously brought up allegations before local school boards and administrators, even though they feared sharing out their names and stories because of the obvious social implications for them. After all, calling out bad behavior where bad behavior truly exists isn't a bad thing. Yet it's disheartening to witness outcomes brushed aside, allowing individuals proven to prey on children and young adults to retain their positions. These individuals maintain access to youth, perpetuating behaviors that society vehemently condemns. It raises a critical question, why are calls for greater scrutiny over those granted access to our children seemingly falling on deaf ears? It's time for difficult conversations and meaningful actions to protect our children and our future. This issue will not disappear on its own and we cannot allow it to worsen while sweeping it under the rug. I am not a generation of the past, but one of the future, as we all can be if we combat these things that we know are wrong and we do them together. I look to and challenge our local administrators to ask yourselves why so many young teachers and individuals are leaving our school systems and ask what will remain once no one is interested in teaching because it's focused on politics, attaboying, and money, as opposed to accountability, understanding, and first and foremost, our children. At the end of the day, I'd ask us not to all get lost in the day-to-day -day because whether you have children now or you'll have them in the future, whether you don't want them now or you don't want them at all, this does still affect you and those you care about. You might not see it now, maybe not even in a year or two. Well, I won't give a list of names here, just as I try not to list out names individually for most things other than individual spotlights, I would advise you if you're a parent, a student, a teacher, what have you, if you see behavior that you know should not be happening, say something about the behavior. If you say something about the behavior and it persists, continue to escalate until your voice rings for all to hear and the change that must come sounds throughout our area. This has been Ins and Outs, Escambia and Santa Rosa County's edition. Before I wrap up, I did want to shine a light on some of the difficulties that we do also continue to face in our area. The Florida Department of Health shows that Escambia County is one of the leading areas for domestic violence with more than 1,900 offenses in 2022 alone. I wanted to raise this issue specifically as it comes after the sentencing of uh, Kanan Farrow, who was sentenced to life in prison after the murder of his ex-girlfriend, Ms. Carla Williams. If you know anything about Mrs. Williams, she was a teacher for a number of years at Pensacola State College. Um, unfortunately, she was she was shot and killed in 2022 at Pensacola Fitness in May. Changes. I know that this sentencing won't bring Miss Williams back, but I do hope that it gives some sort of peace of mind to her loved ones and to others in the area. Fly high, Mrs. Williams, and know that your contributions to the community, as well as your legacy, will never be forgotten in Pensacola and the surrounding areas. Conclusions. 
For my conclusions, I hope that we can all take away that things are changing around us and changing quickly. due to the lack of infrastructure change preemptively. I hope that we organize, come together, and fight alongside one another to combat the challenges that we know are here for ourselves and each other with the people that call Pensacola home. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. If you have anything that you'd like to see discussed here, or if you have someone or something to spotlight in the area, please feel free to reach out to me at tyler4florida at gmail.com. That's Tyler, my first name, T-Y-L-A-R, for the number four, Florida, as in our great state, at gmail.com. I look forward to chatting with you and hope you have a productive couple of weeks. This has been a Pensacola Perspective. <laughs>